Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. And guys, I know that's something we repeat over and over again because it's constantly true and exactly what we, what I, need to remember. No matter how upside down life can feel, no matter what the headlines are screaming, no matter what difficult or wonderful or complicated or exciting or even traumatic thing you are facing, we can be certain that God is always at work in our mess. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I consider it such a joy to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which very simply unleashes some hope and some truth and a fresh perspective into your world and your speakers every other Tuesday. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, where we are also big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our back pockets for free wherever we go. And guys, it truly makes us so giddy to lock arms with genuine Jesus-loving women from all over, from all walks of life, who are just willing to share a piece of their life. And today's episode just couldn't come at a better time because this time of the year is one of the best times of the year. We're celebrating our Savior's birth, the long-awaited Messiah, that sacred moment in time when God gave His only Son. The baby king, born to a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit, who would grow up to give his own life. A season that's marked by generosity and self-sacrifice and love. Except uh, sometimes we forget that part, and I am just as guilty as anyone else. You know, it starts with the fun decorations and wanting to find just the right gifts for those very special people. But then the calendar starts to fill up, and it's easy to get distracted. And there are parties to plan and Christmas cards to send and gingerbread houses to make. Both time and money start running low, and we can start to stress on top of the demands of regular life. Throw in COVID, politics, possibly some family drama, or even an empty seat at the table. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be cynical, though there is much about American culture that's been commercialized and has trained our brains to be selfish. Christmas is a time when we can look beyond ourselves. And the good news is it is not too late to remember that Jesus gave unconditionally and sacrificially, and we can too. And y'all, that is exactly why I am thrilled to introduce you to our amazing guest for today. Heather Van Warmer is a wife and foster mom and pastor at Life Church who is passionate about really serving like Jesus, who's gotten comfortable with doing things a little different. From beginning her fostering journey as a single woman to purposefully stepping into hard things for the sake of someone else, Guys, we have so much to learn from her story. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Heather. Well, hello, Heather, and welcome to The Messy Table. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yay. Well, I've been looking forward to this, not just because you have an incredible story, but also because you're just an awesome person. Thank you. Personally, I know you've inspired me to think outside of myself. So thank you very much. So excited for everyone else to hear a little from you. But first, we all just want to get to know you a little bit better. So tell us about your life, your family work, just whatever you want to share. Give us the scoop on Heather. Sounds great. Well, I'm really excited to be able to do this. I've listened to The Messy Table for a long time, so this is really fun and kind of surreal. But I am originally from Oklahoma, 
grew up right north of Oklahoma City in Edmond. And I'm the oldest of four kids so that I have like the legitimate first child syndrome of <laughs> always need things in control. And you'll hear that some today. You're very responsible. Yes, I love responsibility. But, you know, I grew up in Edmond, so I was able to see Life Church just start growing. And I started attending Life Church when I went to college at Oklahoma State. And so, come on. Um, I, I bleed orange. I love the Cowboys. Go, folks. I know. That's the thing that we teach everyone. You just pistols fire. But uh, <laughs> I started attending Life Church and I went to school for interior design. And after that, it was not something I ever wanted to do. I realized I love doing it for my house and for other people, but it's not something I wanted to do with my life. And so, through multiple situations and circumstances and just asking God, like, where do you want me to go after I just went to school for five years? Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? And I remember getting a call to come on staff at Life Church. I'd gone through the interview process a few times and it was a not now oh. for multiple times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, kids was not what I thought, but after a while I interviewed and ended up at Life Church on the kids team. I was a kids pastor in Stillwater back to the, my roots. Yay, and then I moved amazing. up to Kansas City in 2016 to help launch the Kansas City Metro, I guess, campuses, the Overland Park location at that time. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, just through my time in Kansas City, I fell in love with the city. It was a brave move. I knew no one. Mm. The only phone number I had was my campus pastor's phone number at the time. And mm -hmm. so I've learned a lot over the last, it'll be six years this January. Mm -hmm. I met my husband here and it is what has made me stay even longer because he loves Kansas City. <laughs> He's originally from here. Oh, Aaron. I know. And it was one of the things on our second first date, because we met on a blind date, that he said, do you have the ability to stay in Kansas City? Because I love this city. And so mm -hmm. that's where we're at. I was a single foster parent before I met Aaron. And then we have been foster parents together. And now we are expecting a baby boy Aww. at the end of March yeah, of next are. year. So we're very excited. We're officially halfway. Yes. So that's exciting. Can you <laughs> spill the beans and tell us his name? Or does he have a name yet? Or is it a secret? Mm, he does have a name, but we have not gone public with it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I could tell you offline, just not publicly yet. <laughs> All right. Just not quite ready for that yet, huh? Nope. Mm -mm. Once I write it down or print it somewhere, I'll tell people. Okay. So since you went to school for interior design, yep. or interior decorating, interior design. Okay. So it's a little bit of both. Right. So we're heading into the holidays right now. So I bet you're like itching to decorate. Halloween, in my mind, is when you decorate for Christmas. That's how I celebrate <laughs> Halloween. It's like the starting line. Yes. But his birthday is in November, and he would like to celebrate fall yeah. with his birthday. Mm -hmm. So we're learning balance. <laughs> Compromise. A little bit of Christmas here. So I have Christmas coffee mugs, Christmas music, but we haven't put the tree up yet. Yeah. You guys, she's drinking out of a Christmas coffee mug right now. Just want to... I am. <laughs> you know what? I, I actually just noticed. Look at this. My coffee mug says Kansas City. I didn't oh. even mean to do that. I thought that was on purpose when you held it up earlier. I didn't even. It was this a gift <laughs> to Derek from you guys? Probably. It was from one of the Kansas City locations. Yep. I didn't even realize I had it, but that's very fitting for today. It is. It's perfect. Yeah. God's just in the details. Yes. But. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yep. Ugh. So I think that's really all that's about me. I love coffee. I love Oklahoma State. I love the Chiefs now. Okay. So tell us about your first blind date. Oh, it was horrible. Oh, it was the worst. It was like, uh, it wasn't a bad experience. It just, it was 
Uh, so there weren't fireworks? No. <laughs> we both kind of Irish goodbye to each other at the end. And so he had only been attending Life Church for like five days. Okay. I was working for the church. Just if this tells you anything, at the end of our date, our unofficial date date, um, the only thing he remembered was that I grew up a New England Patriots fan, and he didn't understand how I could live in Kansas City with that. He showed up to church on Saturday, and I happened to be on stage, and he just goes, oh, no, I think I'm going to have to find a new church. Like, it just wasn't there. And then he was serving in Switch, our youth ministry, and then he got tricked into serving in Life Kids, which I was back he there. Got tricked. He did. He was there uh, like, hey, can you help out? And he helped out one week, and then... The gal that was on my team just put him on the schedule permanently. Amazing. With babies, because he's so incredibly good with babies. Aww. I say it's why we got pregnant, because <laughs> I get all these pictures of him with babies all the time. And then I was a single foster mom, and he was the life kids leader for a few of the kiddos that I had coming in and out as a single foster mom. Mm-hmm. And so that was just how we got to know each other. We became friends, and then... People are like, hey, you guys should try dating each other. And <laughs> we both were like, been there, done that. And through conversations, we realized, hey, we can try this. I love it. Why not? And the rest was history. We went on a second first date. We booked a venue to get married five months later. Come on. Got engaged during the stay-at-home order after we had booked a venue. Mm-hmm. And then we were married within 10 months. It's perfect. 10, 11 months. So it was perfect. See, that should give some people encouragement. Maybe there's an awesome person out there that you went on a first date with and it just, you know, yep. you needed a second date. If you would have told me that he's who I'd be married to and would like, we'd be having a kid and all of this now, I would have laughed <laughs> because it was horrible. <sighs> so, okay. So are you craving anything weird being pregnant or yes. having any crazy dreams? Uh, dreams are very vivid, but so the biggest craving I've had is Reese's puffs. Oh, mm. like the cereal. Mm -hmm. And there was a day we were walking down the aisle at the grocery store. and I was like, I really want Reese's puffs. I shouldn't get them. So we made it all the way home. We were watching a football game that night and Aaron looks over at me and he says, Hey, why are you so focused? And I just started bawling. I was like, I'm so sad we didn't get Reese's Puffs. And I'm like tears streaming down my face. And he's like, I'll be back. So he went and got two family-sized things of Reese's Puffs. And I haven't wanted them since then, but it's that. It's a good man. And then Kiwi. Kiwi. I am craving Kiwi like crazy. So funny. Isn't it so weird? Yeah, I remember there was one night when I was pregnant. We were watching a movie and a commercial came on for a bacon, egg and cheese toaster at Sonic. Uh And it was like 1030 at night or something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that looks so good. And he was like, babe, can we go get you one? And Uh he was kidding, like thinking, of course, I would say no. And I was like, yes, actually, that would be amazing. So he kind of (laughs) slowly got up and got his keys and just, you know, it worked out. Yeah, it's so weird because like I've never been a sandwich girl. So I guess I have more cravings than that. Like the other day, I really wanted like a Slotchkey's vegetable sandwich, like a cheese vegetable sandwich. It's just weird. Random. I've never wanted that in my whole life. It's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. I used to have some dreams about abandoning my baby in the hospital and going to the mall. Like I don't even <laughs> like the mall or I, or I would refuse to feed it. So I don't know if those were like my brain's way of trying to process those fears. But yep. anyway, I don't know. It's a weird time. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Pregnancy's weird. 
Well, one of the reasons I love a messy table is because we all have stuff going on behind the scenes, yep. but we don't, or we can't always talk about that messy stuff on places like Instagram or even in passing at church or the grocery store, because it's just tough, right? Like yep. social media is great. Pinterest is pretty, but they're also liars. Like they don't tell the full truth. And so this is a place where we can just intentionally sit down and really dig beneath the surface and kind of get to that real stuff. Yeah. So we would love to hear about a season of your life, which you kind of alluded to already, yeah. that things were pretty messy, but still you found that God has been there. Absolutely. So I want to start by just saying this. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot about foster parenting and foster care. And I think there's a few, I think, assumptions people make about foster care. Mm -hmm. First is that every kid coming in has these extreme stories, mm. which a lot of them do. Um, but a lot of these kids really just need a place to feel loved. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is that these parents have done things or have said things that they shouldn't, but there's still a mom and a dad who have a kid that they mm -hmm. love and that they're fighting for, right. even though it is messy. So as you talk about messy seasons of life, it's not just our story, but it's these kids' stories. Mm -hmm. And so, and not just the kids, but the parents. And so, You'll hear often, uh, if I ever talk about foster care, I'll probably honor the parents more mm -hmm. than most people would expect, but they're that. just, they're real people that are just as broken. So mm -hmm. I'll just start there. So if I say things and it doesn't make sense of what you would assume, that's why mm -hmm. is because we genuinely love every parent that we've interacted with. So, um, I signed up in 2018 I had a friend call. I was single at the time and I was just honestly living my best 30 year old life, mm -hmm. doing whatever I wanted, going on trips whenever I wanted. And she worked in social work and she called me at like midnight one night. And I said, what if anybody knows me, I'm in bed by eight 30 or nine every <laughs> night. That's not normal to call me. And she told me that she had two little kids that didn't have a place to go that night. So she was just going to have to stay with them all night because she just picked them up. Worst night of their lives. And she didn't have anywhere to take these kids. And it mm. was so convicting to me that I have the ability, the heart for it, the passion mm -hmm. for kids. And I, I didn't have a license so I couldn't help. And that was heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that next day, I called multiple foster care agencies to see if I could sign up to be a foster parent. The next day. And Good for you. The next day. <laughs> well, I, I'm an activator. Responsibility. Okay. Yeah. There's responsibility of these kids and someone needs to help. So here we uh, go. There were five agencies I called and three told me no because I was not married. And two said, well, you have to go through these classes and we're not quite sure if that will be because you're single because I was single. And so if you're ever a 30 year old girl who has a desire to get married and then you have this desire to do something else and the thing that is there is because you're not married, that mm -hmm. just grows that insecurity it's like salt yeah. in the wound. Oh, it was, it was rough, Ugh. but I didn't let it stop me. And so I started going through this process and Pastor Craig preached a message in February. So I started going through these classes and it is not an easy process. Just so you know, I mean, you have to go through a class that's 12 weeks long, three hours once a week and you have homework. They come into your home, they check everything. And so I kind of kept it hidden for a few months. 
And then Pastor Craig preached a message in February of 2019 about being mission driven, about having a mission. What has God called you to? What is he driving you to? And I remember posting something that day, sharing with people of the burden that God had put on my heart Mm. to be a safe place for kids, a safe place for families. And in that season, not knowing long-term what it would be, but I'm just supposed to love them. And so I said yes to it in five months. I went through the whole process. I had a nacho average mama foster shower (laughs) where people were able to help me get everything. You don't realize how much stuff you need for kids and you don't know age and how old they're going to be. And Mm -hmm. so I had this whole foster baby shower that day and just an incredible group of probably 30, 40 women Mm -hmm. that were just investing and pouring in and praying for the journey. And so that was kind of the initial piece of it. And then I'll tell you, just going from being single, feeling called to this, mm. having people that don't know you telling you you're not enough because of your singleness. Yeah. Like that was so hard. And then knowing that the desire of my heart was to get married, that even elevated. Well, now am I ever going to get married? And I had pe- I had people say like, you know, this will be the thing that will make you never get married, right? Mm. Like this no one's going to want to date a single mom. Decrease your chances. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one's going to want to step into that mess. And I remember those words so clearly, but mm. for some reason, God guarded my heart in it. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, ended up getting my license. The need in foster care right now is so high for foster parents, even today. And I got a call 15 minutes after my license was approved. Whoa. And I was just going to do short term respite, middle of the night phone calls. Mm-hmm. And so I got a call um, about a kiddo. And it's supposed to be pretty short term. It ended up being almost two years mm-hmm. um, of time. And in that season, we had a lot of different things. But the crazy part, <laughs> Jen, about all of it, this happened in the spring of 2019. And Aaron and I went on our second first date in August of 2019. So the very fear I had that would never happen that I knew was a desire of my heart, God is like, oh, okay here's your obedience. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Hey, here's this man that's actually been in your life for 10 months. And you've had this beautiful friendship of, he sees past what the world is telling him should be of concern. Yeah. (laughs) And he jumped right in and Mm -hmm. he was the, again, the life kids leader for these kids. And so there was a relationship and it was our second first date. We had to get a babysitter. (laughs) Uh, like I love it. So unconventional. Yes. It just was not normal. And mm-hmm. so uh, I guess long story short, it's hard to fight for something when you know you've signed up to have your heart shattered. Uh, That's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this to be an easy journey. I signed up to fight for a parent. I signed up to fight for a kid. I signed up to have my heart shattered every single day. Mm. Because you don't know what's coming. You fall in love with a kid and you have to make a choice. Do you love them unconditionally like you would your own child, knowing there will be a day that you say, see you later? Mm. Or do you guard your heart and in the end, not give them the full experience of unconditional love? Mm -hmm. And that seems selfish to me. And so we did go through heartbreak. And at the end of that season for that um, little one, We reintegrated him with his biological mother, Mm -hmm. and it was a really beautiful day to watch a mama who had fought really, really hard 
um, had worked hard uh, to be able to put her little boy in a car and say, welcome home, yeah. where we went home to a silent home that felt different. And so you have both of those sides of things, but then you're like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. And all we know to do is say, welcome home to another baby and another set of siblings and another set of siblings. And so our door has opened often mm-hmm. to a lot of kids And I wouldn't say that any of them are easier or harder than the other short term and long term. You're shattered every time, no matter what. So that's a messy. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much in that five minute window or whatever that you just explained. Well, I just word vomited everywhere. So tell me. (laughs) That's amazing. The whole thing, you stepping out in faith and obedience and just feeling God compel you forward and then activating on it. Like you said, signing up, knowing that your heart will be shattered. And we're going to talk about this more, but also feeling like it is worth it. Mm -hmm. We step into hard things. That's what we do. That's who we are. Um, Two two moments I want to hear. What was it like when you had your first foster baby that you brought home? Mm -hmm. And what was it like almost two years later when that same kiddo um, was put in a car? Yeah. And you didn't know if you would, when you would see him again. Yeah. Yeah. It was twofold. And I would say that it was almost the same feeling both days, but different. Mm. So the day that a kiddo comes into your home, your heart breaks, not just for that child, but for the family, Mm. the whole family as a whole. Because as a kiddo is coming into my home, no matter how long they're going to be with us, there's a mommy and a daddy that are terrified on the other side of that Uh, story. And that are experiencing heartbreak. Mm. And we get to be a safe place for that child in whatever season. So I remember that the first <laughs> the first kid, I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm learning um, just in like practical day-to-day things, learning how to be a single mom. Um, to every single mom that would ever listen to this, you are a hero. You have more to you than you'll ever realize because it's not easy. Um, it's actually really, really hard mm. because it's com- you have to rely on community, rely on people. But I think I grew an empathy in that time uh, for parents that we were even serving. Mm. And so that first day, it was scary. It was hard. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. The day that we dropped that little boy off after a long time is scary and hard and heartbreaking, but for different reasons. Mm. Because you grow to love a little kid and that's what you've got to do is love unconditionally. Yeah. But you are so proud Mm. of that parent. I have the ability to walk forward and my heartbreak, my heartbreak was a choice. My heartbreak is because I loved really well. Yeah. But I can't be selfish. Mm. Like you have to lay down yourself and realize that day is not about me. Yeah. As much as it hurts, as much as you're going to miss every day in the normal lives, mm-hmm. I have to remember there is a now mommy and daddy who get to have their baby home. And if I'm in their shoes, what an incredible day. Yeah. Wow. Um, not just not just for this long term one, but like we've had kids that we've only had for two days. Yeah. Because they needed a safe bed to sleep in while a few things were done. And those were just as heartbreaking the day you pick them up from wherever you pick them up in the day that you drop them off. And again, with every single story, you don't know if you'll ever see them again. Mm-hmm. 
And that's okay because as a foster parent, you're called to step into a gap. You're not becoming their mom. You're not becoming their dad. Mm-hmm. You're stepping in the gap and showing them love. Right. And so I think that that's probably, I think the heartbreak's the same on both days. Okay. Yeah. Well, I do think being a foster mom is so special and so selfless, not just a mom, a parent, foster parent. Yeah. I mean, you're choosing to step into a heartbreaking situation and you're doing all the mom things. Like you are mothering, you are feeding, you are bathing, you're loving, you're playing, you're wiping, you're rocking, you're providing every day, not having a clue, you know, where this will end. And the truth is sometimes occasionally things do end in termination and adoption. And, and so I'm sure mentally that would be difficult to walk through, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like that you had a pretty healthy mentality going into it and just keeping first things first. Yeah. And I, you know, I will say community was so important. Mm -hmm. So we had an incredible community. Our life group is incredible. Uh, We've all been together for four plus years, all from different backgrounds. A lot of us love the Oklahoma State Cowboys came from there. So (laughs) that's a common ground. And then our significant others and spouses have all come in. That community was vital. But then, and you have to remember every person you invite into every single one of these stories will go through the same heartbreak. Yeah. But they don't get to see the whole picture. Sure. And so you have that community. But then I also had a lot of foster parents that were really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I can say if I would have done this alone, if Aaron and I would have done this alone, uh, it would have been very us focused mm. and selfish. But because of the people that are around us, I think, you know, Brittany, her husband's on staff at Life Church, Ramirez. Oh, yeah. She has been so she's been on the podcast helpful for us. She has. I love her. Um, But she was so helpful for us to keep a really healthy posture. Mm. And I think because so often in our life, no matter, no matter the situation, it is so easy to turn inward focus rather than outward focus and forget why we were called to do something specific. Oh, yeah. Especially when your heart is involved. Yeah, absolutely. Because when your heart's involved, you're terrified. Mm. And you're vulnerable and you are open to hurt. But I don't know that I'd want it any other way. But Brittany gave, she just gave great advice of, I have to trust God with today. Mm. And I'm going to love them no matter what, not knowing what tomorrow holds. And then I have to trust God with tomorrow. That's good. So I'm going to love and trust today and I have to trust God with tomorrow. And so, Mm. again, I don't know the end of any of these kids stories. I don't even know the end of our stories. Sure. Yeah. But I have to trust God with that. And so that community has been so important to keep the main thing, the main thing to be able to have the days you're broken and talk to them, but you have to have those relationships. Right. Yeah. I'm sure it as well. I'm sure there were definite times when, you know, maybe you weren't always thinking as clearly (laughs) and that's why community was so helpful to kind of pull you back and say, Hey, we love you. And yep, this is why you started and yep. All of that. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier, Aaron, and him just willingly stepping into that, like you being a foster mom never held him back. Mm -hmm. If I were to ask him right now, like, was he intimidated by the fact that you were a foster mom? Or is that just since that's how he knew you? Yeah. Was it just kind of normal? Uh, I've asked him this. I was like, did it not scare you? And he's like, no, not at all. He's like, I love kids. And so just so you know, on our first date, he asked me four questions and said, if these don't align, we'll just... Is this your first date or your second first date? Second first date. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So on our second first date, he asked me four questions and he said, if these do not align, then we'll just stay friends and we'll move forward. 
Wow. And it was about me wanting to become a campus pastor mm-hmm. um, at Life Church. And then what would that look like? What would his role be? Because he had only been at Life Church for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And so he was still learning culture. He was learning about the church. The second one was about me being a foster parent. What does that look like for him? What would be required of him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me how this works. Uh, the third one was about staying in Kansas City. And then maybe it was only three questions. I thought there was a great fourth question. But anyways, so foster parent was a huge part of it because he understood stepping into this. This is something I'm going to take on mm. because this is something you're called and passionate about. That's good. And so he asked great questions, but he jumped in real fast and said, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then in some of the heartbreaking situations we've even had in the last four to five months with other kiddos, other families, he's the reason that I haven't wanted to bail because mm. he's now the one saying, no, this is what we are called to. It's not just your calling. This is what we're called to. So I love that. It's such a good reminder for the single people out there that yeah. if you do have a desire to get married one day, just running hard after Jesus yes. and just doing what you feel called to do and yeah. not trying to orchestrate your life around an ideal yep. or a person, but more just you do you, you follow Jesus and right. God will provide. Side note. <laughs> and I think that's what's so, it made it so easy is it was aligned in the perfect timing and how it happened was not what we expected, but that's mm-hmm. been the whole journey for all of us. I mean, our entire first year of marriage, just going into messy, it's been the messiest mm-hmm. year of, I mean, that you could even imagine. But again, it's that community. It's just embracing each moment and trusting God with the outcomes of that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it really has been so good. I love that. Yep. So like we talked about that at the time of this recording, we're heading into the holidays Yep. and the holidays can be a magnifier. Mm-hmm. Like the good is extra good. The heart is extra hard. And for those dealing with any kind of grief or change or loss, the holidays can totally be a trigger. Yep. And so is that something that you resonate with or... Not necessarily. Yeah, I do think holidays have been, but it's interesting, different milestones. So for us in three years, we have not had one holiday without a kiddo. No matter, I mean, we've had kids for every holiday of all different ages, genders. We've done the sparkly dresses because we've had girls in our home. We've done the superheroes because we've had boys, just Halloween. Yeah. And this year, just as an example, we first Halloween in three years, we have not had a kiddo in our home. Mm. And we're like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. What do you do on Halloween as an adult? Yeah. (laughs) You don't have kids. And that's just a simple one. Mm -hmm. But going into the other holidays too, I think it's given me a empathy for people. Mm -hmm. How do you acknowledge it? Knowing that Christmas, I love Christmas for someone. This could be a really, really hard day. And so instead of saying, are you so excited for Christmas? It's, Hey, do you have plans for Christmas? Like even asking different questions and Mm -hmm. assuming people love the holiday Mm -hmm. or assuming that Thanksgiving getting together with a family looks normal because my family all gets together. This family over here may not because they're missing a loved one. We've gone through a lot of loss in the past year, friends, family members, Mm -hmm. and just knowing for their families, these holidays will look different. Yeah. And Aaron and I are having to shift our mind even too. this is a first Thanksgiving and Christmas we'll have together with no kids. Mm. (laughs) It's the last one for a long time. Right. Right. You know, and so. For us, we're having to not sit in the grief of missing, 
but in the joy of this season. And so mm-hmm. that's what we've looked at in our that's life. Good. A lot of us seasons too. Yeah. So that's so good. I mean, that could apply to so many different situations in life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of grief that we all can deal with, yeah. but also not missing the joy of the present moment. Yes. Because it's the only one we have, you know? Yeah. And enjoying it as not knowing what's coming. I think that's what we've learned in the foster care world. I don't know again what tomorrow holds. Right. But I'm going to choose today to choose joy and to choose to love well and to embrace that moment and be present. Because if I'm not, you might miss something incredible and you don't want to live in regret Mm. that you didn't enjoy that moment Mm. with Mm -hmm. that person or with those people or doing that thing. Yeah. Um, Because none of I mean, in all reality, none of us are guaranteed the next thing. So true. And so how do you embrace that? You know, Mm -hmm. so I know you just can't be the same after what you've gone through, what you've experienced. So how would you say you're different? Um, I would say uh, that's a really good question. I would say I'm softer Mm -hmm. (laughs) than I used to be um, for people, for circumstances. I think, you know, the cliche thing is my faith grew in this season, Um, but it really did. My relationship with God looked very different for the first time in my life where I couldn't just say, oh, because I know the scripture says it, I have to believe it's true. And there were more times in the last probably three years that I've questioned, I've had questions, I've doubted, I've prayed some of the ugliest weeping, crying prayers of my life. Mm. But it's probably the most intimate time I've ever had with God. Mm -hmm. And I think I took this idea of what I thought my walk with Christ was supposed to be and realized that there is no cookie cutter. This is what your life is supposed to be with God, your relationship with him. So like reading scripture, it looks different how I read it. I don't look at it of what can I learn? It's how can I understand God's heart a little different? Because mm-hmm. I think you know this as a mom. If this is how I love a child here, if mm-hmm. this is how I love my husband here, can you imagine how God loves me? Mm-hmm. Because my love is incomparable because it's imperfect. Yeah. But his love is perfect. And so um, that's been different. I think how I look at community is different too. Mm-hmm. That there's a dependence on community, not and I need you to give, give, give. Yeah. I mean, we've had too many seasons, too many things in the last season that if we didn't have community, we'd be drowning. Mm. And so I think intimacy with the Lord looks very different. And I feel permission to wrestle. Yes. In those and understand that. I'm not a fraud. I mean, every day I wake up as a pastor and I, what I say, I truly believe. Sure. Even if something's in me wrestling, Mm -hmm. I truly believe those things every day. But I think it gives permission for us to help other people wrestle too. I agree. So, yeah, I think that's so huge wrestling with the tension of the things that we experience and the things that we know to be true. Yes. And going, okay, God, you're still good. And I believe it, but it might not look like what I think it should look like. And that's hard. Right. One of the things I'll tell you, just being honest, in the last two years, and it's been in foster care, it's been in other situations with uh, family situations, with the loss of a friend, Mm. I wrestled with prayer Mm -hmm. of, hey, God, here's what I'm praying for. And I felt like I saw him answering prayers all around me. And then I would have, I caught myself not praying prayers 
like of my heart or for those desires. Mm-hmm. And so I started being more specific in those prayers. Like because you didn't want to get your heart broken right. over a no? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I get it. And one day I, I said, Aaron, I feel like God's answering everyone else's prayers, but not mine. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what? I said, he's answering everyone else's prayers, but not mine. And he said, so you're telling me all the prayers you're praying for other people. He's not answering either. And I said, oh, no, he's answering all those. So I said, so he goes, so he is answering your prayers. Hmm. There's one or two that you're disappointed by how it was answered. Yeah. And very wise. You can't assume that God is just going to answer it how you want it. Hmm. And that's the only time you're going to depend on him. And so I think that that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and even prayer yeah. of not making God, I think I wanted God to be a yes man. Yes. And that's not, that's not his role. Well, I think often the ideal or the myth sometimes that people have is, well, become a Christian and all your wildest dreams can come true. Whenever yeah. truly Jesus stepped into suffering, he stepped into brokenness, which is, you know, what you all are doing as well. Mm-hmm. So those answers to our prayers. Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a not now, like what you got. It sounds like when you were first coming on staff. Yep. Sometimes it's a wait. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think he can also be even testing our faith, like just to see, like, are we trusting him whenever things aren't going well? I yeah. mean, we just, we're not God, right? We yeah. don't have all the answers. We don't know what he's doing. Yeah. The verse, It's it was my favorite, like, vacation Bible school verse. It's the one that was the song that everyone remembered, but it was trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Mm -hmm. And I think that lean not on your own understanding. You realize how small your mind is and how small your understanding is when you're not trusting him with all of your heart, Mm. with everything you have. And that's where I think that doubt can come from in all those situations is when you think that your understanding is the whole piece of the story. Yeah. I was just talking to someone recently about being scared about messing up God's plan, about being scared of making the wrong decision. So Mm -hmm. being paralyzed in that decision, like earlier you were talking about feeling compelled that you couldn't help these kiddos because Mm -hmm. you, you know, weren't signed up, you didn't have your license. And so you just activated and you made things happen. And some people could say like, well, how did you know that was God? Right? Yeah. But I find such comfort in knowing that he is so big and so sovereign and he doesn't just know the future. He's already in the future. And so like, even if I choose the wrong path, he's there too. Like he already knows. Right. And so like, this is a really horrible way to say it, but his brain is so much bigger than our brain. We can't even fathom the things that he knows and the ways that he can work even despite us, like even through our imperfection. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where fear comes in. Mm. Like how often are we paralyzed by the fear of the unknown Mm. control freak over here? Totally. I love control. Same. But fear holds you back from so many things. I mean, I think about the amount of fear I had going into foster care. Mm-hmm. If I would have stopped because I heard three no's. Yeah. To be honest with you, I joke with Aaron. I think the reason he started dating me again was because I had a kid. Like, it's just funny how God aligned that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think about like, what if I had let fear consume me mm. instead of leaning into it and realizing that it was fear and I was stepping in out of faith. Mm-hmm. What were some of your biggest fears? Uh, I was going to be single for the rest of my life because I was a a single foster parent that I would get too attached and it would hurt too bad Mm -hmm. Um, that I would lose community 
That was a big, big fear Mm. of mine that I'm going to be the first person with a kid in our community. Terrified. Mm -hmm. And your world changes. Your world changes in different seasons. I was listening to a podcast um, the other day and I loved like he was talking about how when you step into it, you're inviting other people into a space that they've never also been. Mm. And they don't know how to respond. Yeah. You don't know how to respond. But that space is okay. Mm-hmm. Transition is okay. Change is okay. And I was the first person that had a kid in our life group. Mm-hmm. And I was a single mom, but how cool was that? Yeah. And so I had a huge fear that my community would change and people wouldn't want to be my friend anymore because I was a single mom and I'm not going to be able to go do all these fun things. And I did more. Yeah. I ended up doing more with my community. Mm-hmm. I brought more community around these kids than they probably would have ever had. God brought me a, the most incredible husband that I could have ever, beyond what I could have prayed or dreamed mm-hmm. for. So the opposite of what you, yes. what your fears were. Exactly. That I would not, honestly, being a single mom, what would that look like for me as I want to continue in my pastoring career? Would people trust me? What would their assumptions be? Sure. I mean, I had people make some of the craziest assumptions about me being a single mom because they didn't know the story. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can get in those places of fear. So, yeah, I do want to ask, and I know that people have great intentions, but sometimes <laughs> whether people don't know you well, or they love you so much and they're trying to protect you, yeah. did you have some pushback Oh, when yeah. as a single woman, you're talking about pursuing this life of being a foster mom? Yep. Like, what do people think? I'll say in it, in a lot of voice, yes. <laughs> um, I remember I had a few people say, why would you want to do that? Hmm. Why would you choose hard? Yeah. Um, Which is a valid question from a worldly standard, let me just say. Yes, it is. I'll come back to that because that is so true. <laughs> uh, I had someone say, you'll never get married. Hmm. I had someone say that you can't pastor and do this at the same time. Um, I'm like, that's not true. People pastor and have kids all the time, but whatever. (laughs) Right. I don't know what's different from me than you. Like, um, I mean, there is extra emotional toil. I'll give them that. Right. But, right. But there's a lot of emotional toil in raising kids in general. (laughs) Right. And so I did have a ton of pushback from people, but it wasn't any different than when I stepped into ministry. It wasn't any different than when Aaron and I got married after 10 months. It wasn't any different than (laughs) we found out we were pregnant on our one year anniversary of being married. Like it wasn't any different than the pushback that people told us, you're crazy. Do you know what's ahead of you? Mm -hmm. When we signed a contract on a house nine months into being married. Were a lot of them well intended? Um, Was it more kind of just onlookers or was it like people that are close to you in your life? I think it's both. Yes. I think it's the people in your life really want the best for you. Sure. And that's something Aaron and I have learned is that we need to assume that every single person has our best interests in mind. Yeah. Knowing that that might not be true, but that's the lens we will put it through. Mm-hmm. I mean, even right now being pregnant, some of the things people are saying, I'm sharing this with you of, hey, you're going to be a great mom for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to assume that they are saying the best, but they don't realize that that hurts because I've been a mom for three years Yeah, to a lot of different kiddos that I won't get to see their end of their story mm-hmm. or 
you know, people just say funny things all the time, but there's just a few things people say that I'll never understand the love for a biological child. And I believe that that love will look different, Mm -hmm. but I also can tell you that I've loved wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. every single kid that walks into my house, not knowing, well, I physically get to show you my love every single day, Mm -hmm. but I will always love you as Mm -hmm. my own. I tell my own kids that, you know, I love you both just so much. Like I can't love you anymore, but I love you differently. It's different relationships. Yeah. And so I think to answer your question, yes, people did say things that would have really pushed me backwards Mm -hmm. if I would have allowed it. Yeah. But I had to choose to assume the best. Mm. And that was a choice I made. If I would have just taken some of these words at face value, it could have ruined relationships. But even in the climate that we're in right now, you have to assume the best in people and understand that we are just called to love people even when they say dumb things. Yeah. The dumb things people have said in this season, like of us being pregnant has been so funny. Like I had a lady tell me, this is just maybe off the record, I don't know. But like she told me I looked fluffy when I announced I was pregnant. (laughs) Well, I feel like yeah, that woman needs to check herself. <laughs> and, and I just laughed. I was like, I think what you're trying to say is you could tell I looked pregnant. And yes. I just assumed the best. Yes. It's so funny what people say. So it, it really is just assuming the best in people um, and assuming that they were all flawed humans. And sometimes we say dumb things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So two questions. What has God shown you about himself? And then what has God shown you about yourself? Uh, So I think I can answer both in the same sense, maybe. So about myself is I am stronger than I realized Mm. uh, that he's instilled a strength and a resilience in me that I didn't realize was there. So there are some really, really hard days. Yeah. Um, And not just with foster care, but with the grief and loss of friends of Mm. um, different scenarios, just the brokenness of the people and stories I get to walk through every single day with people. Oh yeah. Um, God has reminded me, I will be your strength Mm. and there is more in you than you have any idea, but I need you to depend on me. And so I've realized the days that I feel like I'm weak and I can't stand up, are the days I'm depending on my own strength, right. the days that I'm strong enough and I'm resilient and I'm able to move forward are the days I'm fully depending on him. That's good. So you're stronger than you think because he's stronger than you think. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Like Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God's with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. That's like the verse that I've loved my whole life mm-hmm. and it's impacted every area. Be strong and courageous because I'm with you wherever you go. Mm. So I think there's that piece. And my favorite piece of scripture right now is in Exodus 17. And there's this battle, the Amalekites, Mm. I think that's how you say it. (laughs) They had come to attack the Israelites. And so there was this battle going on and Moses came in. And as long as he was holding up his arms, Mm -hmm. the Israelites were winning. But if he lowered his arms, they would be losing. But what I loved about it is that Aaron and her held up his hands. Yeah. One on one side, one on another side. Mm -hmm. So they can remain in victory. Mm. And so when I hear this, I think about the community 
and the picture of the church that we have. And so I think about two sides of this. One, for all of us who are walking through any situation, you need biblical community. You need people around you because there are going to be days that you're going to fight battles no matter what they are, and you are going to get tired. Yeah. But what I hear Moses had his arms up, I hear that from the place of like, even for me worshiping and depending on the Lord, it's like a sign of surrender. But then when my arms drop, I feel like it's now dependent on me, but God's given us this community to hold our arms up. So there is victory. Mm. But then also what I've learned through foster care is we as foster parents are the Aaron and her holding up the parents' arms. Yeah. And in those moments where even if it's hard, the battle we're fighting is not me versus them, me versus anyone. It's Mm. that we are in this together for victory in your family. Mm. I mean, you look at Satan, you look at how he's fighting Mm -hmm. and breaking up families is, is what's happening. And we, for some reason get to stand in the gap, Mm -hmm. hold up the arms of the parents as they're fighting for their family, Mm -hmm. fighting for victory in their family. And we get to show these kids what it looks like to have that biblical community and the parents to show them what it looks like. And so, uh, yeah, I just thought that was so cool. And I love that he said at the end, he says, for hands are lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the generations and generations. But I think it's just saying that like the hands were lifted up for the throne of the Lord, Mm. like on behalf of the Lord. And God is using us for some reason in this chapter, in this story of this family. Yeah, And so that's just a piece of scripture that I feel like he's really spoke to me through. I love that. Um, It's just an Old Testament war story, but it's incredible. (laughs) So I've always heard that story and I'm like, God, why did you like make it like that? Like, why did you make it work that way to where his hands had to be up for them to have victory? But just like everything else that God does, he's so intentional. And I think it's to make a point that he could not do this alone and that he had to have people around him to fight these battles and to have victory. Yep. And I think holding up arms for us to remember could be just words of encouragement for someone. It could be sending, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, I need to text so-and-so. Send the text message. That may be what they need to hold their arms up that day. Mm -hmm. Or showing up with someone for a meal or just giving a hug and saying, hey, you can do this. I think it'll look different, but I think that's where if we're Holy Spirit prompted and the Lord is within us and we are in tune, that it's going to be refreshing to that person. Mm. They will have energy. They'll have courage to move forward, but we have to be willing to say, hey, I've got you. Yeah. And understand that the whole story is bigger than all of us. Yes, it is. It's a lot bigger than just one thing. And as we know, Life is short, you know, and so what are we doing today to make an impact for his kingdom? Yep. So I'm curious, what would you say to someone who feels compelled by God to step into something? Like maybe it's fostering or adopting or starting a ministry or a business or taking a new job or staying home with their kids, really anything. Yeah. But it feels scary. Like it's actually really scary. And there's a lot of unknowns if they do say yes. So what would you say to them? What would be your advice? Yeah. So first I want to say to anyone just on fostering, anyone who has any ounce of a stirring or a heart for foster care, please just go say yes. It's going to be hard. 
but every ounce of heartbreak is worth it. Mm. Because if you don't say yes, there are kids that are missing out on an opportunity and parents who are missing out on an opportunity to be loved by you. Mm-hmm. And it might just be yes to the next meeting, the first meeting. Right. Just something. Just say yes to go. Um, I'm going to go back to the day that I fully surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Uh, Pastor G.T. Moody, when I raised my hand for my full surrender, um, I've always known the Lord, but it was that day the relationship really started. He said, I see you, sweetheart. God has really big things in store for you. Mm -hmm. And so what I would tell people is you are seen and God has really big things in store for you. But you've got to take that next step. Mm -hmm. You have got to not live out of fear, but live out of trust that God really does have big things in store for you. And the journey is really fun. And the journey is really sweet. And hard things are not bad. Mm. Um, We've said since the day I started fostering, we've said love does hard things. And that's just been the reality. And so I would just encourage anyone, if you have something that's stirring inside of you, try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You try it and it's not right. (laughs) Or you try it and it's a little harder than you think. And you've got to invite someone else in. You know, I, I just say, take that next step. Call the friend. Have the conversation for accountability. Call the friend. And say, hey, will you pray about this with me? Invite Mm -hmm. people into it. Accountability will really get things going. And so don't let fear hold you back from what God has in store for you. Because uh, it's probably way more than you can ever think or imagine. And it's going to be an incredible piece where you'll see God work in all of it. Amen. Yep. Preach that, girl. (laughs) All day. (laughs) Just say yes. All day. Just say yes. So... Well, unfortunately, we can't talk all day, although I could. I would love uh, but it. <laughs> as we wrap up this conversation, first, I'd love to hear if you have any resources that you want to pass along. And then if there's anything that you haven't said, maybe a final word of encouragement, we'd uh, love to hear it. Yeah. So for fostering specific, one of my favorite books ever is The Connected Parent and The Connected Child. And then Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Uh, that's a great one for any parent. Mm. If you've never read it. It is one of the most incredible parenting books you will ever read, and it applies in every ounce. The other ones are great on how to walk through things with kiddos who have been placed into foster care and with the parents. It's just they're great resources. The other one for anyone, um, I assume a lot of gals listen to this podcast, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but The 100 Days to Brave by Annie F. Downs was the book that I read in the five months before becoming a foster parent. Um, And she has a devotional and it was so challenging Mm -hmm. and super helpful, but just gave me a lot of courage to continue in what I was doing. I had some friends that did it with me. So I would just say those are a few simple ones on books. Love it. And then I guess just as we wrap up, I love the name of this podcast, The Messy Table. Uh, Life is messy, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. And so I just would love to encourage people that God has a call for your life. Um, It could be being an incredible mom. Mm -hmm. It could be that you are stepping into foster care. Maybe it's a new role, a new job, whatever that is. But I just encourage you to truly be proud of the call that God gives you and lean into it and not be scared of what could be or what are people going to think because it's not their story. 
it's God's story that he's written for you. And I guess the last scripture I think of Psalms 29, where it's talking about the potter and the clay. Yeah. There's so much (laughs) that God can see as he has designed your story and as he's molded you and the work is not done. He's still working in and out of everything you do. And God knows where you're at. He wants a relationship with you through the process. And I really believe in whatever that yes is that we talked about, just saying yes to the next thing. He's going to be present in every single one of those. And he wants that intimate relationship and connection with you through that. But I guess like what GT said is God's got really big things in store for you. And so I'm just prayerful for whoever hears this really believes that at the depth of their soul, that God has something incredible in store for them and they'll be used for something incredible. Man, this has been super challenging and encouraging to me. So I know it has for everyone else. So Heather, you're amazing. I'm so thankful for your life and just for your model of obedience and faith. It's incredible. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome. Y'all, real quick, I want to remind you, we actually have a five-day devotional plan on the YouVersion Bible app. It's called Remembering Christmas, and we'll link that up in the conversation notes, along with lots of other resources mentioned in case you are interested. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or Stitcher. And we always love to connect with you on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing us with you as you drive to work or fold laundry or do a little Christmas shopping. And as you carry on with real life, hopefully with a little extra encouragement, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.